It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rulebook, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. Time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. Welcome to The Big Rethink. Today's episode is about technology and houses of worship, two terms I've rarely used in the same sentence when I was younger. Our guest, Donnie Hauk, CEO of AE Global Media. Donnie, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Good to be with you, Barry. It's great to have you. So let's start. Let's take it from the top. Tell me a little bit about AE Global Media. How'd you get your start? So, Barry, I actually started in church when I was really young, actually before I could breathe. <laughs> and then with uh, AE Global Media, I was in aerospace engineering for you know seven and a half years. Uh, as for favors for pastors, did some design work for them, some engineering work for them in communications early on in the 90s, um, and then started doing this thing full time, uh, designing churches, designing technology for churches, uh, sound lights, video, camera, broadcast, all that kind of stuff. And so and you just, like kind of, do you feel like you kind of fell into it a little bit or is it something you realized? I did. Was opportunity? It, it was not it was not an intended thing. You know, I thought that I would spend the rest of my life doing crusades in Russia and Croatia and other countries. I've been in 30 countries doing ministry stuff. But um, no, this was an unintended thing. This is taking engineering and art and putting them together. I, I love that description. And so. To many of us, and don't hold it against me because it's me included, don't traditionally think of houses of worship as hotbeds of, you know, either high tech or innovation. Why do you think that's the case? It's just a misconception. Um, a lot of people, because the church is so old, the church is old, hundreds of years old. Um, and so we think about, a lot of people think about church, that white clapboard building with the steeple on the top of it, and they right. drive by it and... They don't think about it as being the modern studio that it is. Um, the church has adopted technology, some of the first to use printing, some of the first to use radio, some of the first to use TV, uh, and now it's actually in the sanctuary. And so they have adopted the technology inside to get outside. So when we think about how long you've been in the industry, how do mm -hmm. you think technology has changed? I'm pre-email, Barry. I am pre-email. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, listen, the technology has changed drastically. Billy Graham was the first one to actually use television. Um, I forget the year that was. That was in Los Angeles back in the 60s, I think it wow. was. 200,000 people showed up live for that event, and then he realized that media was a tool of communication. Uh, so he was the first guy to use it nationally. And so would it be fair to say that Billy Graham was an innovator? Billy Graham was most considerably an innovator. Wow. We didn't wow. use we didn't use amplified sound that much. Billy Graham was one of the first to actually use amplified sound because his crowds were so large people couldn't hear him. So they had to adopt something so people could hear what he was saying. So that's a pretty good segue. I mean just talking about amplifiers, right? So Right. In general, but how have these technologies affected the quality of live worship for congregants? So worship and live worship is about intimacy. And um, the larger the crowds get, the more difficult the intimacy is. So the technology had to be innovated to be able to maintain the intimacy. Uh, so uh, the driver for most of everything I've done in the last 25, 30 years is to make the room more intimate. 
So 5,000 seats feel like 150 seats. Um, and so that's been the goal is make it intimate. And the technology helps us do that. So some believe, some people believe technology and houses of worship actually takes away from the traditional worship experience. How would you respond to that question? I've got examples both ways. I've got examples. I went to a service one time and a, a youth pastor was in charge of the technology and he had found these new lasers. So he brought these lasers into the sanctuary and they had a solemn, solemn song and a prayer going on and lasers were going crazy. That's a great example of the misapplied technology available. So properly applied technology lets you hear and see and understand the minister clearly without them having to raise their voice like they're speaking to, you know, thousands of people that they can talk at a normal level like you and I are doing now and let that inflection be intimate. It's, it's hard to have an intimate communication, if not impossible, if you're yelling at people. And so that was one of the first things that we had to adjust in the late 90s, we, we realized that we can use the inverse square law in physics, and we can actually use some of the physical knowledge that we have to be able to create these intimate environments and not have pastors have to yell so that they can be heard at the back of the room. They can lower their voice, talk at a normal volume level, and communicate the thoughts. Um, so that was a big innovation in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I, I, I like the fact that you're using examples of use, use cases to actually, you know, help promote the idea of what technology has actually benefited what you do. And right. I think the laser pointer is probably <laughs> a different view. Oh, on, let me uh, tell you. <laughs> I've never heard of that one, so it kind of turned um, into a rave. Yeah, it was but, a rave. Yeah. It was a rave during a prayer. It was, you know, two things opposed each other. And so if you look at like what you've experienced in those last you know, few decades and what we look at now in terms of, okay, we know that with COVID, you know, that pandemic has increased the demand for remote distributed streaming content. How That's has remote right. worship impacted congregants' expectations on their experience? Okay. So this is a big deal here. Um, I can't express how raising the definition, lines of resolution uh, of a TV screen or a monitor or a computer has enhanced the worship experience. And a lot of people don't put those two things together. But the way God made you and I, we have a mouth, we have two eyes, we have two ears, and that's a physics engineering feat because what happens is, is our eyes, we, we see light travels 180,000 miles per second, one foot per millisecond. And so our eyes and ears have to agree with what's going on first live. And then remotely, those lines of resolution, that 4K, that 1080p, means I can understand your features. I can look you in the eye remotely. Used to be with standard deaf, I couldn't look you in the eye. I had a visual. It was your eyes were there, but I really couldn't see that deeply into them. But with HD and with 4K, you feel like you're really communicating with a person. God, we communicate with our face, our facial expression, not just the sound coming out of our mouth, but our eyes and our face and our mouth. Every every gesture we make has a communicative tool. And so the higher the depth, the better we can communicate, the more intimacy that we have. And so these are all tools with lenses, with cameras, with monitors and screens, and how the church uses them is to create that intimate moment. And to be able to do that from a sanctuary into a living room, that's a whole other challenge. But 
definition, voice, sound quality, all these things play into the intimacy. So do you think in-person, on-site attendees will want the same quality they experience remotely? You expect a higher quality in person. You expect a higher quality. Often, often, what we're doing today is we're broadcasting out of sanctuaries at 1080p, 720 at the minimum. But internally, we're making the effort to hit 4K because we want that live audience to have the better experience. They've already got the better acoustic experience. Most churches realize that fidelity and worship go hand in hand. So the fidelity of the audio system, along with the video system, go hand in hand with intimacy and impact of the worship service. So these are both very good things. Our effort is to make that live and in-person experience better than the remote, but make the remote experience excellent. That's a tall, yeah, that's... It's hard. Yeah, that's that's a, the that's challenge. That's a tall that's, challenge. It's <laughs> the challenge. It's, it's where we're at right now with the industry. So, so you said a lot of things in that last sentence, which was great. 4K, high def, you know, audio. But outside of those references to the tech, are there other technologies, technologies that you think will benefit most from these new expectations? Or is it just what you said? Uh, no, um, there's a sonic... There's a sound pressure level that comes into play. And this actually even comes into play in your home, in your home theater. This is why you spend the money on the nicer speakers, because there's endorphins. Here again, the way God created us, there's a chemical release. There's endorphins released at certain frequencies. The average human, we don't, we don't all hear the same. But the average human, once we get the decibels up to around 90 dB, our hearing starts to level out. We start to hear all things. We start to hear all the chords, all the harmonies with the guitars. We start to hear all this stuff happen. And so once you raise that sound sound pressure level up to that extent, not only that, but if you're representing the low frequencies, we actually start to vibrate. So the speaker system starts to vibrate the human body, and we feel connected with the music. And then when we sing, it's, it's all together. Then we feel like we're all worshiping together. So we're vibrating all the humans together. We're all singing together. We're all having this experience. The endorphins are released in our body. There's a chemical reaction to this experience, and it makes us feel united. That's, uh, that's hard to believe, although I've been at a few concerts where I've actually probably had that feeling <laughs> of vibrating standing yeah. next to a speaker. Absolutely. So I'm not going to disagree. So, so we talked about the technology, which is great. So let's talk more about like what happens with people using that technology. And so like all industries, from my experience, you know, as congregations and spiritual leaders grow older, you know, they need to new, learn new skill sets, right? So tell us about your experience teaching these new technology skills. Is it any different than any other industry? So it's very similar, actually. Um, you and I had a conversation a while back about you know, interfacing with machinery and technology and what we have to do. The same thing's happening with our, with in sound lights and video. The equipment's actually easier to use the more sophisticated it gets. So the further we come down the path, the easier it is. Um, and so to be able to achieve these moments, what we're trying to do, like I said, is raise the bar with that worship experience at live and raise the bar with that worship experience remote. So the technology develops in our industry. Oh my goodness. Things get obsolete every month. You know, a new projector is created, new cameras created. We have a, a new mixer. We have a you know new switch. We have new microphones. We have everything every month is is constantly rejuvenating. 
The thing that we have an issue with church, though, and sometimes with older leaders, they they think that once they've bought the microphone and the speaker and the camera, that's it. That's I'm done. I don't have to I ever have to buy another one. And so it's an education process for them to know that really they should be looking at rejuvenating the equipment every seven to ten years because the state of the art has processed. It's it's progressed beyond, way beyond where you're at at seven to ten year old technology. And a lot of churches, unfortunately, wait longer than that. I've got a lot of customers that wait twenty years. Wow! Before they before they'll go through an upgrade and. Man, when they do, it's massive and it's eye-opening, but we prefer for that to happen earlier. And we talked a little bit about that last week about the TCO or ROI, especially with some of these mega churches, right. which I found fascinating because we live in that world yeah. every day in Panasonic. And so that's kind of a nice segue to the next question is like, you know, what should a house of worship decision makers, not necessarily an IT decision maker, but any decision maker, you know, be thinking about when deploying a new technology with you so church growth i don't think a church stagnant i think of church growth for a church to grow and 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 continue to do what it should be doing spreading the word of god we all the it's about the clear understanding and communication of the word of god the tools are upgraded all the time uh, when you drive when you i don't know if you drove to work or if you walked to work this morning uh, but yeah. But most of the time driving to work, that experience changes every five, six years. You get a new car. You know, some some people get a car every three or four years. So that experience of getting there changes with your telephone. Most people upgrade their telephone every one to two years. And but their microphone in the church, eight, 15, 20 years. But it has to change because the communication tools are better and we expect better as Americans, you know, uh, it's one of those things in talking to leadership and deacons and elders and decisions makers in the church. If you want to send a missionary out and every church is familiar with sending out missionaries and sending out workers into the community. If you want to send a missionary out, whatever country they go to, if it's Russian, they're going to speak Russian. If it's, if it's Brazil, they're going to speak Portuguese. If it's Africa, you might speak tree, whatever, wherever, whatever country you're going to in America, it's tech. You have to speak tech because Americans are technologically savvy more so than any other country on the face of the earth. So keeping up with the language tech is necessary for a ministry today. And you also have those conversations, not just with the pastor or deacon or That's right. they're supporting IT. It's also from what you told me, there could be a board who's got a lot of experience, right? In terms of making right. costing decisions. And that's that's really interesting. So you have to be able to talk to, I guess, that tech language to everyone, right? Yeah, with the boards, most boards and most church leadership are made up of business leaders, community leaders, people that are used to renovating factories or renovating retail, and they know that they can't stay the same. They've got to evolve. But what they don't understand is is what the difference between this camera and that camera, what, what is 4K? What is 1080? What is standard diff? Why can't I use a standard diff? Why can't I use my iPhone to do a broadcast with? You know, what's the difference between an iPhone and a camera? You know, I got a microphone on my iPhone. I got a camera on my iPhone. I can broadcast with my iPhone. Why don't I just do that? You know, so there's an education process and why some tools work better than other tools. So, so cost aside then, what other considerations or special considerations do you deal with? I know we talked a little bit about historical buildings, which I can imagine yeah. that's a whole nother 
talk track. Well, you know, you know, let's talk about that for a second. Historical buildings, they were tools of communicating God's presence. They were built to be holy. The actual architecture was built to be holy. The stained glass windows was 4K video. So the stained glass windows, each window in the sanctuary told a story. And what you were intended to do when you came into this sanctuary with stained glass windows is walk through the stories of the building and have that holy sense of reverence of what was happening there. And so you walk through and you you saw the story, you read the story, the pastors preached the story, and you were encompassed by the story with the architecture. So when we first started building our first churches, that was a huge consideration, making it holy. Today, we have a black box with LED walls and video screens and microphones, and we tell the story in front of people every Sunday, live. And so when you start again, looking beyond, I guess, the infrastructure, you know, whether it's the actual building, the edifice, or, you know, the wiring of what you do in AV, what does, and and I'm thinking ahead, maybe a few years, what does the future of innovation look like for houses of worship? Here again, uh, the most sophisticated technology is the simplest technology. We make every effort, and I know the engineers at Panasonic are making every effort to make that sophisticated camera operate just by pointing the thing, just point it in the right direction. Uh, same thing's true with audio, lighting. We try to make it simple. So the modern, the more, the further we go, voice command systems, you know, um, glass screen control surfaces, uh, all these things are futuristic. Even movement in the air, instead of actually tactically touching, we might move in the air to make adjustments. Um, those are all futuristic things that we'll be doing for church. So what two things would you want our listeners to remember from this conversation? You had to summarize, Donnie. Oh, my goodness. What two things? Uh, That the investment in souls is worth the investment. What happens when when a person's life is changed for better? So let's, let's break it down to the neighborhood. When you have a drug addict or an alcoholic, Uh, find Christ, change his life. It affects generations of that family. It affects the generation or two prior. It affects the generations after of that person. That affects the community. The community affects the city. The city affects the state. The state affects the country. It comes down to one person being changed. So if you can invest in technology that lets the clear communication of the Word of God impact people's lives, the Word of God is what brings change. So by hearing and being exposed to the Word of God, change happening, decisions being made for the positive, it affects everybody. It affects everybody. So that investment is worth it. So that would be the the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is we have to be, you know, you're you're calling this 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 episode, this show is called the Big Rethink. Periodically, we gotta sit down. We gotta say, hey, wait a minute. What have we been doing? Could we do it better? Is there a better way to communicate? Is there a better way to do what we're doing? It's surprising that people don't sit down and reconsider. They don't rethink. They just keep doing it until they fail miserably. I say, let's start. We rethink every project. When we look at every project, we say, is there a better way to do what we did last time? Let's do the better way. And we're always challenging ourselves here on the design team, the engineers to say, okay, let's, let's do this a better way. And a lot of pastors 
push us because they ask specifically for things that they think would help their ministries or their communication. They're visionaries. And so they'll push us with a new idea. And I'll bring latency into that. We were working with a church that came out of um, Australia, uh, Wave Church up in Virginia Beach, and he was pushing. He wanted to communicate through video in multiple campuses at the same time, but he wanted the communication to be interactive. He wanted to have a local pastor on that platform miles away and him have an interchange like we're having right now. So this technology was not available. We worked with manufacturers. We got that latency down to where it was conversational, like you and I are having this conversation. You ask a question, I answer. It's a conversational technology. Back then, 15 years ago, you would ask a question. You would wait about 80 milliseconds, almost a second, and the person would answer. And so this pastor was a hyper hyper guy, and so he would talk, and just as his other pastor was starting to answer, he would, he would go on and ask more questions. So he asked us, we got to get this better. And working with latency, we we had the fastest communication across campuses in the world wow. because this pastor had asked. He said, look, this is not acceptable. I want to ask a question, and I want it to be conversational. I don't want to have to wait 100 milliseconds while this guy's answering me because that gets on my nerves. I don't want it. So he didn't know anything about latency. He didn't know anything about cameras. He didn't know anything about audio, but he just knew what he wanted. So sometimes my second point would be push us. Ask for what your vision is. Let us come up with ways to make that happen. That's a great answer. And I love the fact that you're able to, in that summary, hone in on someone's, in our world, pain point. He just knew yeah. that there's something bothering him and it was latency. And you were there to solve for it, which is great. Yeah. So last question, Donnie. What do you love mm-hmm. about your job? Oh, my favorite thing to do is talk about what I do like I'm doing with you. I love talking about what I do with pastors and, and ministry leaders to help share. I'm a, I'm a technology evangelist. I share what we can do, what, you know, what is possible, the tools that they can have to communicate better, to help them do a better job at what they do so that they can impact, here again, their local church, their community, impacts the city, impacts the state, impacts the country, impacts other countries because they can do what they do better. So I, unfortunately, I, I have to say it, Donnie, I think we're, we're almost out of time and I don't want to be reminded again. I, I want to thank you for being on the show. Truly, you've been great. No, it's great. I've really enjoyed it. Anytime, Barry. This is a great show. Thank you, bud. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed the podcast or didn't enjoy the podcast, or have just simple ideas to make us better, visit our feed on iTunes to rate, review, or subscribe. Or if you're listening to Spotify, be sure to hit the follow button. We want your feedback. And that's it for us on another episode of The Big Rethink. Until next time, I'm Barry Ross.